This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Welcome back to another week of the Keeping Carlson Fantasy Hockey Podcast. I'm Elon Dubrowski, and with me, as always, is Brian Calm. Hello. So we've got a lot to get to this week, but before we do, a few administrative things just to get out of the way. We've got a Twitter account, at Keeping Carlson. That's right. We got it. And if you send us fantasy hockey questions to that Twitter account, we will answer them. We will give you advice and help you win your pool. And when I say we, I pretty much mean Brian, of course. We also have a Gmail account, keepingcarlson at gmail.com, so you can send us feedback, we'd love to hear from you, or you could ask your more long-winded questions. We're going to get back to you. This is an interactive experience to help all of our listeners win their pools, just like I'm doing right now, and I'm sure Brian is close to doing. Brian, how'd your week go last week? Uh, it's the same story as always for me. I'm, I'm winning the offense categories, but again, I'm, I'm sort of trailing in the goalie categories, which is funny because I'm playing the guy who I traded with last week. Regular listeners will remember that I finally ditched Devin Dubnik and along with Ray Emery to improve my goaltending situation. I upgraded to Nicholas Backstrom and Josh Harding, but Dubnik and Emery, they each put up goals against averages of one Uh, for the games that they started for my opponent this week. And their save percentages were 958 and 968. So I guess I wish I kept them one week longer, although Josh Harding Uh. has done his job just fine. But it kind of sucks that I traded the goalies that made me lose every week, and so they're making me lose now that they're on another team. That's funny. Yeah. That's a bit of karma. I still think in the long run, you're getting a really good deal getting Harding. It's looking like now with Backstrom injured again, he's probably going to get the majority of starts on Minnesota. Yeah, it looks like Harding has finally kept it up long enough. I think it took a while to get everyone to believe, and maybe people are starting to believe that he is a legitimate number one goalie, or at least a 1B to Backstrom's 1A. And Harding is not the problem. If I had only started Harding this week, I probably would have been closer, I think, in the goalie categories. Uh, but Varlamov, uh, now that Dubnik's gone, he's taking care of blowing up my goalie stats. He's <laughs> not keeping up his frequent 960 save percentages, which is what was expected. But Colorado as a team has just not looked very good over the last few games. I saw their beat reporter, Adrian Dater, mention that they were looking like the abs of last year, who were awful and terrible and screwed me over multiple times because Varlamov is is my keeper goalie. Uh, So I'm getting painful flashbacks of what happened last year. But solace is that I have Tyler Sagan, who had the four-goal game. Oh, wow, nice. Yeah, he and Louis Erickson have been the offensive stars for me this week. They combined for six goals and three assists. And there's also John Carlson, who we talked about last week as somebody who 
you might be interested in picking up if somebody has already gotten impatient with him. He's continuing to show signs of promise this week. He had a goal to assist six block shots and a plus four rating. And as for my opponent, he didn't really have anything going for him. He had Stamkos, who got injured, so I feel like it's kind of cheating. Um, but, you know, Sagan had four goals, so I don't think Stamkos... Well, maybe. Who knows? But he really only had Jay Bomeister as a player that had a standout week. Uh, and I was surprised to see, actually, Bomeister had a goal, three assists, and six blocks. Uh, but again, he's playing on St. Louis, so as long as he gets minutes, which he is, uh, that'll happen from time to time. So that's my week. I actually jumped all the way up to third place last week from 11th with a 11-1-1 record in my matchup. Uh, but it's still really tight altogether. I'll probably drop to maybe fifth or sixth if this week doesn't get a whole lot better. And uh, I'm not sure it will. So maybe better news from you. You had a really rough time last week. Any, any changes this week in your luck? Speaking of last week... We recorded the podcast on Sunday morning, and the matchup ends at the end of the games on Sunday. And I had a miraculous Sunday night and ended up winning my matchup last week. And I know I was complaining in the morning that I was going to lose. So it was pretty great. The biggest surprise of all was I was tied in the defense points category going into this last day. He had Shea Weber, Mike Green, and Bogosian all starting. And the only defenseman I had playing was Zidlitsky from New Jersey. So I thought for sure I was dead in the water. Believe it or not, all three of his star guys, well, two stars and one pretty good defenseman, they combined for zero points, while Zidlitsky got two. One goal and one assist for the Devils last Sunday. So that was very exciting for me. I won that category. Also, I had both Niemi and Varlamov playing that night. I got a win. Their save percentage ended up bringing me above there. So I ended up winning the matchup 4-3. to three, So it was very exciting. All right. A slim margin of victory. But and, and so where do you stand in your pool right now? I'm first in my pool. And it's definitely not going to change because this week I'm killing it. It's going extremely well. I'm winning 6-1 to one right now going into Sunday, and it looks like I should be able to hold on. The regular stars have been doing their thing for the most part. Martin St. Louis, four points in four games. Zetterberg's got three assists. Pavelski's got a goal and two assists. So good weeks for my stars. Also, the week started kind of poorly, especially with Verbata and Hansel from Phoenix, who I have both of them. They both missed Tuesday's game, which was annoying, but they more than made up for it yesterday. Hansel had four points and Verbata three in one night. Wow. Yeah, it's very exciting. <laughs> it's, a, it's an exciting time to be a Toronto Chalupa Batman. It, isn't it always? <laughs> oh, I also want to point out Alice Goligoski, who you've heard me complaining about for a long time. He had three assists in one night a couple days ago, so that was very exciting as well. Yeah, maybe he's starting to put it together. We also talked about him a couple weeks ago after he got scratched and said this sort of thing might happen, so... I think we're actually, you know, it's not a science at all, but I think I would like to pat ourselves on the back uh, for how we're doing. And if you're listening, you know, I hope you appreciate the genius you're getting with this podcast. Yeah, the thing is, we're pointing out all the things we got right. Let's not talk about anything we've gotten wrong since we've what, started recording. What have we gotten wrong? Um, nothing. Nothing. There you go. Confirmation non-bias. Yeah, of course. If you can think of anything we've gotten wrong, call us out on it. Send us a note, keepingcarlson at gmail.com, or tweet at keepingcarlson. Mm -hmm. We could have a weekly segment of complaints from listeners of things we got wrong that screwed them. That would be yeah. kind of fun. I'm into that. 
But I think I also warned about Varlamov's save percentage too uh, a little while ago. So really, I, I don't see any flaws with us. And also, I, I think we should open it up. If anybody else wants to share how their week's going or how their week went, uh, they can get in touch too. Yeah, man. Yeah. Keeping Carlson at gmail.com at Keeping Carlson. It'd be fun. It'd be fun to hear from people. Let's make it interactive. It'd be fun. All right. So, Brian, having listened to your spiel about your week, what's your confidence at this point of whether or not Varlamov will remain your goalie keeper or if you'll switch it over to Harding? I don't know. That's a really good question. I mean, I had actually drafted Dubnik, as, as regular listeners will know. He was my first pick in the draft. He was going to be my keeper. I saw great things for Edmonton in the long term, and I thought he was going to be the guy. And I still think I was wrong. I don't think his recent performances have changed anything about that. I don't know, but Colorado seems to have a, a just as bright future, if not brighter. So I think Varlamov, I don't know how long he can stick it out as the number one goalie. I think he's their guy, and I think if he keeps putting up the numbers he's generally put up in his career, which is, except for last season, he's always been above 9-10 save percentage. I feel comfortable with him as a young keeper goalie that can take me far. Yeah, but Harding's in the same situation. Yeah, but Harding, this is his first year of doing it. So I think in terms of value, I could probably redraft him more easily than I could redraft Farlamov. I see. As long as he doesn't end up in jail, of course. Yes. Right. That's still a concern. But we talked about that last week. So let's move on to some ads, drops, trades in our leagues. Was there anything interesting that happened on your side? Yeah, I made a couple moves. First off, Jonas Brodin, who we touted quite a bit earlier in the year. I mean, he started off great. He had six points in his first 10 games. He was seeing a ton of ice time. Uh, He had three points on the power play. And then he got hurt. I think he got a puck in the face. He broke his cheekbone. And since then, he's pointless in seven games. And over those seven games, he's actually only gotten one shot on goal, three hits, and a plus one rating. And it's kind of hard to believe that that's what he's doing because he's still playing 26 to 30 minutes a game. So I decided that I had enough of him. I think he'll still pick it up later on in the year, uh, but now he's just worthless to me and just about anyone else. So I dropped him to pick up Eric Johnson, who I've been adding and dropping all year is like my extra defenseman who doesn't look like he's going to break out. We, we talked about that also in the past, that maybe he was showing signs of his old self. At this point, I'm not convinced that that's going to happen. But in the meantime, he's got half-decent peripheral stats. So I'll hang on to him for now. Also, I put in a waiver claim for Ilya Brizgalov, just sort of for fun. I feel like I can never really have too many goalies, especially with Varlamov faltering. I didn't get him, but the guy who did dropped Kimo Timonen. So I put in a waiver claim using about 7% of my budget for the year to to take Kimo Timonen and all of his two points in 19 games. Yeah, Timonen's been a huge disappointment this year, but I'm imagining you're going to say that you think that he can turn it around just like some of the other Flyers have? Yeah, I mean, you're starting to see the others like Claude Giroux and Scott Hartnell and Wayne Simons. They're starting to recover, and I feel like if they do, Timonen is not far behind. I mean, the vital signs are there in his underlying stats. If you look at the Flyers, they're a team that rarely drives the offense in their games, and that's why they're struggling so much. But Timonen is one of a small handful of players on the team with positive puck possession numbers, a.k.a. Corsi stats, if anyone is familiar with those. So I'll probably drop him soon enough if it doesn't work out. 
But in the meantime, having a number one power play quarterback with a 40-point pedigree was just too tempting to pass up. I haven't had to deal with his slow start all season. So for me, we're starting from today. I don't think all his skill has just disappeared. For me, it's a low-risk, high-reward move. Yeah. I mean, why not if you didn't even have to give anyone up for him? He was a free ad because Backstrom got injured, so I had him on, on an IR plus slot. But that's all I did this week. Um, what about you? Did, did you grab anyone or did anything interesting happen? All right. So regarding me, I actually haven't made any moves. The big sort of move I've made was a non-move, which is that I had mentioned last week that I put Patrick Eliash in my IR once that slot became available for him. And I picked up Tomas Hurdle, who's actually done pretty well since uh, since I grabbed him for the second time this season. Since we learned to say his name right. Yes, of course. So just last Friday, Eliash became activated, which means that I had to take him out of my IR. But I really couldn't decide which of my forwards to drop in order to make room for Eliash. So I've kind of just been sitting with Eliash in the IR. So according to ESPN's rules, you could keep your guy in the IR even though he's no longer IR eligible, but then you're just not allowed to make any other moves in the meantime. Right. But that's been fine. My team's been doing well and I haven't had any other moves I needed to make. So right now, Eliash still sits in the IR and I think it's been a smart decision because after two games, he has zero points and like one shot. So I think I'm just going to wait for him to wear that rust out before I put him back in my lineup. And then I guess I'll have to drop someone like either Clark MacArthur. I was thinking maybe Hansel, but now after yesterday's game, I feel like he's definitely earned himself a spot on my team for a little bit longer. Right, on the Bizarro Coyotes, who I think I mentioned this earlier too by email, but they're scoring more goals and giving up more shots than they ever have. And both those things are exactly the inverse of what they generally do, right? They generally keep shots out and play a tight defensive game and try and win close one-goal games. But this year, that's sort of changed. So having someone on their top line is more valuable than usual. And in the meantime, I mean, with the Devils, with Kovalchuk suddenly retiring, the opportunity was there for other players to step up with prime playing time. Players like Adam Henrique and Damian Bruner and Michael Ryder and Yarmir Yager and Andre Lakshonov and Ryan Klo. All guys who were sort of on the bubble, can they produce or won't they? Um, they were all supposed to contribute. But this year, the Devils are sitting 27th in goals for in the league at barely more than two goals a game. And although that's only about 10% less than last year. So the absence of Kovalchuk has hurt them. Nobody can replace him, but they were trying to by committee. And of that group that I mentioned... Uh, Yager has been the only one who has come through. He's got 16 points in 20 games played, which actually puts him scoring at his highest point per game rate since leaving the NHL after his 2007 season with the Rangers. Wow. It's been like a sort of a very silent, subtle surge of points because no one's really talking about Yager. No, because no one's talking about the Devils. N nothing's happening and sort of Yager scoring and that's good. I think everyone still has the habit to not be surprised by Yager scoring, even though at his age and having been out of the league and now bouncing around, he's, this is what his like fourth team in the last three or four seasons. And I think the guy who everyone was talking about at the beginning of the year waiting for something was Damian Bruner. You had some issues in the first couple of weeks about what to do with him. And I mean, he started off really strong. He had five points in five games. He had four shots a game in that span. But since then, he's got only two points in his last 14 games, and both of those came in the same game back in late October. 
He's not even averaging over two shots a game, and he's probably not worth hanging on to for much longer. So if he's in your lineup and you've sort of fallen asleep, this is your reality check. Drop him. He's not worthwhile to you right now, and neither are any of the other Devils. Lakshyanov has four points. Henrik and Zajac have seven points each. It's safe to say that for the foreseeable future, you should probably stay away from anybody in a Devils jersey unless it's Yarmer Yager or unless they have goalie pads on because Schneider and Brodeur are sure doing their part to keep the team in games as much as they can. So reading between the lines, are you suggesting that maybe Patrick Eliash is the one that I should be dropping? No, no. I think Eliash can, can do his thing regardless of who's around him. But I think you're being wise to be patient with him. I don't think he's going to be able to produce as much offensively as he has in the past, both because of age and because of the team's offensive situation. They're sort of forced to play a defensive game because they don't have any game breakers. Nobody's coming through. Right. Yeah, Elias wasn't doing too badly when the season started before he got injured. Like He had, I think, seven points in 10 games, but probably going to be a little while before he heats up again, and I'm happy to just let him sit in my IR slot. Good call. It's a wise way to use your roster spots. So I wanted to ask you about a couple of other moves that happened in my league that I thought were interesting. Okay. Usually when you see an ad drop type situation, it's usually the person who's getting dropped is someone who, you know, is really sucky, not doing great. And it seems obvious. It's pretty rare that you see someone drop someone and then pick someone up who you're questioning. Oh, that guy is even better than the one he's dropping. But this week I've seen a couple of them and I found them interesting. First of all, right after we recorded last Sunday, actually, and we talked about Tyler Toffoli, he ended up getting picked up by the St. Clair Deeks of Hazards in my league. But they dropped Antoine Vermette, who's having, I think, a really good season. So what do you think about that move? Well, I have Vermette's stats up here. He has 10 points in 21 games, 5 goals, 5 assists, only 2 power play points, both assists. He's got about 2 shots a game and not doing much hitting or shot blocking, as would be expected. But, I mean, I I think I've said this before, my thought on, he's on about a 40-point pace, and my thought on players like that is that they're a dime a dozen. You can get a ton of guys from the free agent pool at a half a point a game. So it's my own philosophy to not hold those guys for very long, and I'd rather try and find the hot guy who's going to be on a higher point per game pace, maybe for a shorter amount of time, ride him, drop him when he's done. And it sounds like that's exactly what this person in your league has done with Tyler Toffoli. Take somebody who's scoring at maybe an unsustainable rate, but they're doing it, and it's better than half a point per game, and drop the other guy who's going to be available later on, probably, or at least somebody of equal value will still be around. Mm-hmm. Actually, you know what? I was saying Vermette has been having a good season, and I think that was this idea in my head but he does have only one point in his last six games. Maybe I was the last time I had checked had been before that, because that would have given him nine points in 15 games, which is a lot better than 10 and 21. Yeah, I think he started off stronger than he has been. He has three points in his last 10 games, so that would leave him with seven points in his first 11. Mm -hmm. So the other move that I noticed I thought was interesting was one of the teams dropped Timu Solani for Matthew Perot. So a change on the same Anaheim Mighty Ducks team. Who would you rather have, Solani or Perot at this point? To me, it seems like kind of an even trade. I beg to differ. I think you might also have early season Timu Solani in mind here again. If you look at Timu's recent stats in his last 10 games, he's got one assist. He had six points in his first eight games, but 
since then, he hasn't been doing much. And I think sort of some people were anticipating that, saying, okay, he's 43, turning 44 um, at the end of this season. And how long can he keep this up for it? It's a really strong pace. But looking at his age, I mean, every year he seems to manage to keep going and going, but eventually he's going to tail off. And that was almost a warning sign to see him start so so strong, I think. So to me, he's not worth keeping around. Again, you have another guy who's probably going to get about 40 points this year. He'll see some power play time. That's good. But Matthew Perot is definitely a better guy to have, in my opinion. So yeah, Matthew Perot, who is actually day-to-day, we should point out right now, but I don't think it's anything too serious. He's got 14 points in 20 games, but he's also sort of been doing nothing over the past little while. So he's zero points in his last five, one in his last seven. He had a couple of good games before that. So if it was me, maybe I would have dropped Solani now that you're mentioning it, but maybe picked up someone else. There's actually a couple of really hot free agents in my pool right now who I'd love to take a chance on. I just don't have the space for them. Scott Hartnell's still there, Johan Franzen, Charlie Coyle. I don't think Matthew Perot was the right choice, but I'm not going to be calling up the the Arlington armed penguins and letting them know that I think this, especially since they're the team I've been playing this week and defeating handily. Though I should point out to give them a bit of a break, they have Steven Stamkos. So that was a pretty sucky disarming of the armed penguins. So I did feel bad for them. Maybe I shouldn't take a hundred percent credit for my win. Yeah. Well you take what you can get, but I think you should take more credit because Franzen and Coyle and who was the the first name you mentioned? Scott Hartnell. And Hartnell, those are those are easy easy ads, I think, over over Solani for sure, and and to a lesser extent over Perot, but still, I'd take Hartnell in a heartbeat if he was available in my pool. What would you take him over Patrick Eliash? I might. Oh shit! I gotta do some thinking. I need to make a trade, man. I need to trade one of my forwards, improve my defense, then pick up Scott Hartnell. Yeah. That's that's a good idea, and you should use Elias's bargaining chip. I I mean, you got to give him five games or six games at least after the injury to see exactly where he's going to be going. Mm-hmm. Or maybe instead of using Elias, find one of my streaking players like Martin Hansel, who we mentioned, throw him into a deal, improve my defense, pick up Scott Hartnell. The problem is it's really tough to make trades in my league. I want to be in your league, Brian. It seems like people are a lot more active. Yeah, there have been two trades since I made mine. So I made there were no trades all season. I made one, and then there were there was a trade two days later and another trade a week after that. I'd love to hear about them. Well, they were actually all mostly about goaltending and minor draft pick upgrades. So the first one, one owner traded Le Cavalier, Tim Thomas, and a 14th round draft pick for Miku Koivu and a 12th rounder. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, he had way too many goalies on his roster. He he seems to accumulate goalies who are not quite number one status, but can threaten or maybe hold it uh, if they get a good run of luck. So I guess he's trying to empty that. I think Koivu is an amazing offensive upgrade, and I'm surprised that he got the draft pick upgrade in that deal. As I am, he made another deal. So he had Tim Thomas and traded him away. He also had Justin Peters and Kem Talbot on the New York Rangers. Uh, and he traded both of them away with a 13th round pick for Ben Scrivens and a 10th round pick. So again, um, a goaltending, I feel like a lateral goaltending move uh, because Peters is going to end up back in the AHL once Ward and Kudobin are both healthy and Talbot is playing behind Henrik Lundqvist and not going to see a lot of time. 
not that Scrivens will, but Scrivens of the three goalies in the trade is the most proven, and he also gets the better draft pick along with that. Well, was this trade made after Jonathan Quick got injured? I don't think so. Oh, okay, yeah, because now that person who got Scrivens must be really happy because he's getting a starting goalie on one of the top teams in the league. Yeah, I think he won both trades easily because he, he still has enough goaltending to manage, plus he upgraded draft picks and got Miko Koivu in the process, who is outstanding. I would love to have Miku Koivu on my fantasy team. All right, interesting. So let's move on from talking about moves in our leagues. Let's move on to our sustainable, unsustainable segment, where we take a player who seems to be acting at a pace that is not their norm, and then Brian will let us know whether or not he's going to keep it up. This week, we're going to go for someone who is doing poorly, and I want to know if he's going to sustain the suckiness or get back to the star he used to be, Tobias Enstrom on the Winnipeg Jets. How is he doing so poorly this year? He's supposed to be an offensive defenseman. But this offensive defenseman has 8 points in 21 games this year, and that was pretty much all from a strong start. When you pull up his recent stats on ESPN, all the way down the list of like 10 games, or I can't even count all these games, he's only got one goal. So lately, he's been doing absolutely nothing. I see he still has the playing time. He's getting time with Winnipeg, but he's just, nothing is happening. Nothing's going in, no assists. Is Enstrom the kind of guy who I should be trying to buy low, or do we stay away at this point? I would say his lack of scoring is unsustainable. And it's really weird, because I've looked into this. I've looked at his ice time. I've looked at his power play time. I've looked at his possession numbers. And there's nothing to me that screams out that something is wrong or that anything is different from previous years. And let's remind people, Enstrom, over the course of his career, uh, he's in his rookie season, he had 38 points in 82 games. Then he went down to 32. But since then, he's had 50 points, 51, 33 games, although he missed 20 games that year. And last year, he had 15 points in 22 games. So I think the only question with Enstrom that we're used to is, is he going to be injured? Uh, but this year, in last year he played 22 games, he had 15 points. This year, in the same amount of time, he has half that many. So it's really odd. I don't know why. I can't find a reason. And for that reason, I say it's unsustainable and a good buy-low opportunity for somebody who is growing tired of his lack of production. Yeah, it's very interesting. You definitely don't expect such a dry spell from someone who seems to be a consistent player. I'm going to throw out another name for the segment. Nail Yakupov, who there's been a lot of drama around him. People think he's going to go to the KHL. His agent is saying that he may want to trade or implying that. And meanwhile, uh, so his, his stat line is three goals, three assists for six points in 20 games. He's a minus 14. In his last four games, he's got three points and six shots on goal. So he is showing signs of life. He's got two power play goals. I think that this is probably, if you're in a keeper league, this is your last chance ever, probably, to get Nail Yakupov. I mean, for the rest of the season, it might continue to be rocky, uh, but don't expect that he'll be anything less than elite at this point. And you can probably offer something less than elite to get him on your team. The, the most recent example I can think of is when Stamkos was so hyped by the Lightning with the Scene Stamkos campaign. And to the point that he put up 46 points in his rookie year, but I think the first half of the year was a little rocky and people were almost unimpressed with 46 points. His owners, people who drafted him expecting bigger things, 
let him go into the draft, didn't take him back. And since that year, he's doubled his point total every year since his rookie year. So I think that Edmonton is a bit of a mess right now. Give them time to figure it out and then see where Yakupov's going. He's already sort of trending up and maybe it's too late. Maybe that window's closing or maybe the rest of the season will be tough to own him. But again, this is probably your last chance to grab him for so cheap outside the draft. All right, another interesting sustainable, unsustainable segment. If any of you listeners can think of a player who you think we should talk about in this segment, we'd love to hear it. We're going to close out the show now, but first, Brian, how about you give us a quick rundown of some players on your watch list or players of note that people should keep an eye on. You know, 30 seconds per player, go. Okay, well, let's start by going back to Ilya Breezegolov, who we mentioned earlier in the show, but we didn't get into it. He's probably available in your league right now. And if you're thinking of picking him up, keep in mind that his numbers tell two different stories. So the first is that in the last two years, he's been a below average goaltender, and that's understating it. Among goalies who had played the equivalent of about half their team's games or more in the two seasons prior to this one, he ranked 32nd among 34 total goalies in save percentage with a 905 rate. He was only ahead of Steve Mason and Mathieu Garon. But... If you go back a little further, it's a different story. The two years before he became a flyer, he was fifth out of 27 amongst goalies with the same minimum, you know, about half games played in the season requirement. Uh, He had a 921 save percentage. So what happened to make a top five 921 goalie turn into a bottom five 905 save percentage goalie? I guess that's just what happens when you move from the Coyotes, who are obsessed with defense, to the defensively absent Flyers. And if I ask myself about who the Oilers most resemble in terms of their team makeup, it's the Flyers hands down. I mean, it's not necessarily a close resemblance, but they definitely don't look like the Coyotes of three and four years ago. So make of that what you will. Goalies are usually at a premium this time of year. So if you need the help, then by all means, try and grab Brizgalov and see how he does. But keep in mind also that Dubnik is suddenly on track. He stopped 90 of the last 96 shots that he's faced over the last three games for a 938 save percentage. Both goalies in Edmonton will have chips on their shoulders, and it, it should be interesting at the very least to see how it plays out. All right, Brizgalov, grab him if you can, if you need a goalie, but be wary. Next. David Clarkson, he got a suspension. He missed the first eighth of the season. He's finally hit the 10-game mark, so we can start to judge him, and I don't think we can judge him all that favorably. He has one lone assist in his first eight games, although he had a modest two-game point streak going at the time that we were recording this. He's got two assists, uh, but they both came against Buffalo. So also keep in mind that the Leafs have a lot of injuries and lack of depth at center, so he doesn't really have anywhere close to the caliber of centermen that he did in New Jersey last year when he scored all those goals. He's still throwing hits and taking penalties, but so are plenty of other players in the league. Hopefully you didn't buy the hype in the preseason, and if you did, uh, I guess that's sort of on you. That's your fault. All right, Clarkson, hopefully you didn't bite, and if you did, you're paying the price. Who's next, Brian? Martin Havlat. So he started the year with an injury. Nobody was surprised. Uh, Then he joined an incredibly hot Sharks team, and you'd think he could just join in and get rolling. Uh, he didn't. He's he's done almost nothing. He had two points in his third game back, a golden assist, also against Buffalo. Uh, 
but that's all he has to show for seven games played. He's taken only eight shots and was healthy scratched against Edmonton this past Friday. He's on my team, so right now I'm going to hang on and see what happens. But early signs combined with his point totals from last year, where he had 18 points in 40 games, aren't promising. I won't be holding him for very long if this keeps up. All right, one more, Brian. Our listeners are busy people here. Don't pick up Martin Havlat. Last one, maybe the most interesting, Valerie Nichushkin. He was Dallas's 10th overall pick in this year's draft, and he's got five points in his last six games. And the key part here is that he's occasionally playing with Tyler Sagan and Jamie Benn. So that's a pretty privileged place to be, both because they're going to score goals and they'll also attract the defense's attention. And Nitushkin is still a skilled guy. So if he's alone, he can still try and make something happen. But his value is probably limited to as much time as he is playing with Ben and Sagan. I think Peverly is also seeing time with them sometimes. So keep an eye on who he's playing with. But I would definitely grab him and try and ride him for as long as he stays playing semi-regularly on that top line. All right, a very interesting and helpful roundup to close out episode six of the Keeping Carlson Fantasy Hockey Podcast. Already. Already. Time flies. Time flies when you're first in your league, Brian. (laughs) I wouldn't know. I wouldn't know yet, but I hope to know. Yeah, well, I hope to be in a stronger league at some point like yours (laughs) and and not have it be so easy. I hope our listeners know the feeling. And if they do, maybe, you know, I'm sure they don't want to tell their opponents in their league, but maybe tell a friend in another league or maybe like include it in a trade. Like I'll trade you one episode of this really uh, informative podcast for, you know, like a small upgrade in picks. Well, yeah, definitely don't tell other people in your league about this podcast because we are killing it with our predictions and advice. But that's something you can tell us about in an email, keepingcarlson at gmail.com. Like I said at the beginning, follow us on Twitter, at keepingcarlson. We'd love to hear from you. And that's going to be it. Cue the outro music. Brian, have a great week. Thanks, Elon. You too. Happy fantasy hockeying. Yeah, it's going to be, I think, a good week next week. I'm playing against someone without such a great team. I've got a lot of hot players right now. It's going to be fun. Hopefully Varlamov will pick it up for both of us. Yeah, I hope so. Or he's back. All right, see you later. Bye, everybody. Thank you for listening.